seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 148 of Color of Magic, a Magic Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I'm your host, Daquan Watson, and for 148 episodes, I still have the same guy riding shotgun, my man Brian Allen. How's it going today, dude? Reasonably decent. We actually saw rain again, so this may be a thing that happens more than once this summer in Texas. Dude, it's funny you say that. We actually had thunder, like a real storm for the first time in, like, I can't remember the last time it happened since I've been, like, literal, you know, for over, like, 20, 30 minutes, and then, like, multiple booms of thunder and hard rain or whatever. I was like, oh, this is like being at home. <laughs> like, I remember these storms. But, yeah, th- that's the first time I can remember one of those happening in so long. So, like, it was cool. And, you know, temperatures definitely cool there. I think our high was like 72 or something. So rub it in. Just rub it in, DQ. Yeah, <laughs> definitely going to. I, I am not sad about that, even a little bit. Let me tell you. All right. So we have a lot of stuff to cover this week. Uh, there is a ton of stuff. Man, so many. We had to push off some stories to next week. Uh, it's It was a busy, busy week. But before we get into all that, y'all know we got to pay some love to our sponsor, Cardsphere.com. You should go check them out. Literally a site where you can name your price for whatever you want to buy a card for or name your price for whatever you want to sell something for and then get quick matching services and then make the exchange. It's really that easy. You should go check it out. I even have some videos on my YouTube channel to tell you how to use the site and the benefits of it. And you can even save and you could buy a whole fresh deck. I did an actual test, bought a competitive deck off there. You could save over 25% using their website without even maximizing everything. So you should definitely look into them. They are cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can be just like our newest patron, Stephen H. Welcome. I, we still never said, I guess our newest peep. I don't know. I guess that's where we're at. I don't know. The pips, maybe, because we, we were messing around with that one for a little while. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to the crew either way. And for everybody who has signed up recently, I made sure I got all the postcards and everything out last week. We got the winner's stuff out. It's so like, if you were on any of those lists, you should be receiving stuff in your hands by the time you're listening to this, because everything went out early last week. And then, of course, if you want to get some stuff directly, check out colorofmtg.com shop, where you can get some tokens and some play mats. And thank you for a couple of y'all that made some decent sized orders. I got those packed up last week, too. So, yeah, things things are moving little by little here. But that brings us to our soapbox. So we're going to get right into it because we have a lot of things to cover. Now, this first one, this, this I think I need to title this episode, Just Misplaced Rage, because I feel like that's the case on, on several things we're going to talk about. But for those of you who don't know, uh, Marquise Brownlee, who otherwise goes by, or Marquez Brownlee, I should say, that otherwise goes by MKBHD over on YouTube. You've probably seen one of his videos. He, he's been doing it since he was like, God, I don't know, I think like 14 or something. But he talks about all types of tech stuff, you know, new computers, TVs, electric cars, whatever. And he did a video this week that was his, what he described as like cool tech he would like to have going back to school. So it was like his back to school video. And people were upset at it. And I I caught like part of it. So I was kind of like, when I saw the stuff coming through on Twitter and stuff, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I missed something. 
right? So I go back through the video, don't see anything. Cause I'm like, what are people mad at, right? So then I go through the comments and I'm looking at the stuff on Twitter. I'm realizing people are mad because he did a review of high tech gadgets. Now, admittedly, some of them are like new Apple laptops that are pricey, right? Yes, not the stuff was not cheap, but he also said like the cool tech things I would like to have in my back to school video, right? But that's what his channel is. Yeah, it's stuff that hey, this is these are you know if you had if you had if you know if you found a genie in the bottle, this is what you would want, you know. Yeah, and and that's literally his whole channel. He always says like the newest phone, the newest Apple Watch. He's done a couple of videos on the new like electric trucks that are coming out. Like, you know, things that are not going to be in the average person's hands necessarily because they are the high end of the high end. Because we talk about, you know, hey, you know what, you know, what do you do on YouTube? And obviously, hey, the stuff that, you know. The stuff that's unique, the stuff that, hey, everybody ain't going to have this tech toy is kind of the stuff you're talking about. If you're doing a like, hey, look what I'm going to have when I go back to school. Pencils. No one care. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, like that's how he gets a lot of his story. He is known as the person who does these things. So companies come to him and they're like, hey, we have this new. I think one time he even got to do one of those like exclusive Xbox unboxings. It comes in like the, was it like a Louis Vuitton box or something or whatever it was? One of those crazy things. You know, there's one of like five in the world or something, right? So he's done a lot of that crazy stuff, but that's what his channel is. Like he's always talking about the cutting age of tech. Now, some of it is attainable, like we said, like cell phones and stuff that we all use. But there's some stuff where he's talking about like the new iPads or, or tablets and stuff like that are pricey that are just going to be on his list. But apparently that upset people. Like every back, to, like, and let's be real, just like you're saying for originality, if every back to school video is literally like, hey, look at this new backpack. At some point, you're not going to watch the fourth, fifth, sixth video that's telling you the same thing, right? You're going to get, you're going to look at their little list or you're going to look at the timestamps and be like, oh yeah, I've already seen all these products or something similar. Like I'm not going to watch the video, right? So it makes sense. But let's be real. I have not seen anything, and maybe I've just missed it, but in all the years I've known about him, I've not seen anything negative about Marquez anywhere. Like, everybody says he's a nice interview. He participates in a lot of the, like, online and YouTube charity stuff. Like, he's always educating people. Like, I I don't know. I've not seen anything. So maybe this is just one of those cases of, like, You've been on top long enough and people are looking at something to be mad at. And this is just like the best thing that's come up recently they could go after. I don't know. Die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That that might be a case to this, though, right? That's what it feels like. Like, we're at the point we're going to be mad because like, well, my kid or I can't afford the new whatever we're calling the Apple laptops now. I forgot what they're the the Mm -hmm. MacBooks or whatever. Like, I, I can't afford that. So. Why are you even showing that to me? Like, that's such a weird thing to be mad at. Like, you know, the number of videos I've looked at at unboxing and crazy things online that I know I will never own. Right. I don't I don't look and go like, ah, man, you know, that's sweet. But that's a fifty thousand dollar computer. I you know, I'm never going to own that. Like, I just look and go, man, that's awesome. And then I move on to the next video. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like, that's not really what my channel is, but because I was able to get my hands on the Xbox, that video is kind of like, that video is what it became because it was so dang hard to get one at the time. Yeah. And that's exactly it, right? Like, if you have the opportunity and they're going to put it in front of you, hell, and at his level, 
one or two of those was probably given to him to do a review of or something. Great. Yeah. Why not? We just, like we keep talking about, you know, don't be mad at your favorite creators for eating. If you like their content, it's not free to buy Xboxes, school supplies, iPads, or what have you. you know, yeah, what? I'm I'm just more baffled because it's a, it's a non-issue. Like literally, there if you need a different back to school video to show you doing what things you should buy for your kid for back to like there's got to be at this point hundreds, if not thousands. Just Google hell right now. I'm going to go while we're live. I'm just going to go YouTube search back to hey, school. Ever after talks about how to save money on groceries and the school clothes and stuff. So if you oh, look yeah, for yeah. somebody, cheap if, plug. If I just go look for the past month and just do back to school supplies, they are literally infinite. There's back to school shopping, organizing stuff for back to school, like here's stuff that fits in a backpack if you need to send your kid with stuff. So there's literally infinite. There's stuff like supplies at Target, supplies at Walmart. Like it, there'd be no reason for him to do that video. And these are all getting tons of views. So like whatever. Like again, just misplaced rage and people want to be mad. Whatever but, you are able to spend, there's a YouTube channel and, a, and multiple YouTube videos for you. That is the truth. All right, Brian, you're up. I actually have a uh, positive thing to talk about because, you know, we uh, we talk so much about bad sportsmanship in gaming. And there is, to be fair, a lot of that to talk about. But I stumbled upon a story that happened a little while ago in a Apex Legends tournament, a $2 million tournament, apparently. And uh, one of the players in the match got disconnected, and Apex uh, Legends Pro Philip Imperial Hal Dosen said, realized what's going on. Like, hey, this person is not moving. They've also disconnected. He's crashed. Don't shoot him. And this immediately became, you know, because again, in a, I've seen it. Most people in a free lobby would have shot that guy, then proceeded to teabag him. So for somebody to, to have that level of sportsmanship in the tournament where they're playing for, you know, I'm sure first prize in this tournament is probably three or four hundred thousand dollars is just incredible. Now, sadly, neither of the teams went on to win the tournament. So it's not, you know, that perfect story that we get turned into a movie. But still, that is, you know, just an incredible level of sportsmanship to see in a professional gaming tournament, really. I mean, you're not wrong, because when you talk about bad sportsmanship in video games, supply is definitely exceeding demand. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. And but, I, you know, I hear this story and I think about it like that feels like something I would do. Like if I knew the person had disconnected, because like I said, like if you if you. If you win, it's going to come with an asterisk, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you're like, oh, well, you just took advantage and got like six or seven extra kills while this person was trying to reconnect or whatever. Like. It wouldn't do you any good to take advantage of the person. Like, so you're better off just saying like, hey, let's leave this person alone until they're, they're reconnected. Because honestly, we've all gamed before. Hell, I had it happen just last week, actually. I was playing Teamfight Tactics and just disconnected. For whatever reason, they were yeah. updating the, the internet connection. So I was just down for like five minutes. And like, fortunately, I still finished like fourth in that thing. But I was like cruising. I was like, yeah, everything's good. And then I basically missed a couple of levels while I was just waiting for the Internet to come back up. And that sucks. And that's a game where you can't even like it's it's just real time strategy. So yeah. there's not like an opportunity for anybody to do anything. They just see that I disconnected. But the game's going to continue, you know. 
And those early rounds, you know, if you ain't <laughs> hadn't bought the right stuff, you're yep. just... Or you just miss a thing where, like, you need that third champion yep. to level up or whatever, and you miss a shop or two to get it. Like, that could be critical in those middle rounds. So, yeah, I, it disconnect sucks. So it's very cool to see that somebody would have at least that level of maturity. And, again, you know, maybe it cost them, maybe it didn't. They didn't advance in the tournament, you know, whatever, but... Cool story, man. It, it if, really if you is. believe in karma, certainly <laughs> that's that's going to come back and, and be a benefit to Imperial Hell at some point. Yeah, if nothing else, just be an example to other people. Well, yeah, that because I mean, I I saw it on a gaming news website. So I'm sure lots of other people have talked about it, and I mean, he's getting some well deserved kudos for doing that. And I will say this: in this day and age. You have those types of positive stories out there. People are going to talk about them. They're going to circulate. And when you go and get sponsors and stuff and they start yeah. Google searching you or whatever or, or looking for you on Twitter, your name's going to come up with that stuff. And that's going to be a check mark in the right department for you. Yeah. Because yeah, like we, it, it's so so much of it keeps coming back to you. We talk about how do you distinguish yourself? How do you create your brand as a content creator or a gamer? Like, there's there, there's a million people whose brand chooses violence. There is but a handful whose brand is good, actual good sportsmanship. Yep. Maybe, maybe this is some of that, that I don't know, associated Mr. Beast effect, right? Like yeah. you, you get known for doing positive. Maybe we can have more of that. But speaking of, uh, we have some interesting things in what did we learn this week? So... You know the deal, Brian. We got to tell everybody about something interesting, fun, different, whatever that we learned this week. So what do you got for the people? Uh, we've been covering this this upcoming RPG game for Spoken, and it just <laughs> at this point, I don't know what they what they could do to get positive publicity because the first thing we looked at was uh, them talking about you know oh look we have a black main character a black female main character so you're ready to be like wow this is awesome but unfortunately. They kept talking and talked about how, you know, yeah, before she got teleported to this fantasy world, she was about to go to prison. And she and she has this hip hoppy walk. He's like, oh, Jesus, please stop speaking. <laughs> you, you had us <laughs> until you continued talking. Yep. She's got adopted white parents. She's got this thing. You know, right? It's like all the tropes started falling. And now apparently a trailer has come out and leaked some of the dialogue. And I mean, it is. It is getting dragged as, you know, some of the worst examples of the, the Joss Whedon-ish, nobody talks like this, where like, oh, look, I can do magic now. I talk to dragons. I just did that thing. Like, oh. Dude, okay, real talk. <laughs> when you see people use AAV wrong, does it not sound like Starfire to you? <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm just being real about it, right? Like any, ask any of your black friends, like if they've ever seen like Teen Titans or whatever, and like some of the stuff that comes out of Starfire's mouth, you're like, a black person didn't write that, right? Like you know, you know what I mean? Like it just sounds weird. Like it's almost like somebody cruised the internet or went through like Urban Dictionary or whatever and just got a bunch of words, and they were like, we got to make sure to throw these in so she sounds urban. But like it doesn't even make a real sentence sometimes. I guess, I guess this is the Titans TV show where Starfire yeah, yeah, yeah. is acting. Okay, because I, I still haven't seen it, but I've heard. They've also written some stuff in comics, too, with her. That's Well, yeah, because during the New 52, like, her whole character became, you know, oh, uh, people on Tamaran don't care about being naked, and it got just really, cause especially because previously her depictions had been so just innocent, you know. Yeah, 
it, it's it was, a it's it's a weird character they've done with her. But yeah, man, I don't know. You, like, this is one of those games that, like, from day one, it seems like there's just been problems. And it's also been postponed to 2023. So I guess hopefully there's time, you know, to maybe. Although I, I don't know at this point if it's coming out in 2023, I imagine a fair amount of the dialogue is being written. So I, yeah. I don't know how much of that they would have time to go back and. and I'm just fix. thinking though, like if you caught all this flack, because we mentioned them, like God, what was it back in? March or something? I think so. It, like, it's been a minute. If you've been catching that kind of flack, wouldn't you have been like, hey, why don't we call in somebody who might be a better expert on this or understand what we got wrong or whatever? Instead of just going like, you know how we'll fix this? We'll have our speak like this. <laughs> yeah, like, and apparently, they, they were this, you know, there, there's a quote from the top about how they used so many, you know, BIPOC consultants. And as we talk about, you know, if you have actual people of color that work at your company you don't have to hire all these consultants and outside people yeah because randomly somebody will look at that and go like this yeah, doesn't no. even sound right like black people don't speak like this <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody, no people speak like this although but you know what it's like that same thing we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, uh miles morales and the thor yeah. thing right like somebody just went through and just shoveled dialogue in using different dialogue from different parts of the country even to try to put sentences it's like these are not that's not how this phrasing would work these don't mean the thing you think it means i i need that dude from the princess bride right this does not mean what you think it means right like that's sort of what it feels like so yeah this is this is wild man i I don't know what's going to happen before spoken at this point because it sucks because it actually kind of looks really neat so maybe well, we need more. We, we need more you know, games that have people of color and female lead characters. But boy, this is this is becoming a hard one to cheer for. Although I got to say, I love nerds all day. And of course, for us, Joss Whedon started trending on Twitter. It's sad that you know his name has become synonymous with, with him being an insult at this point. But that's where we are. And uh, people are doing other game trailers in Joss Whedon speak like they have one for God of War. Yeah, I'm a freaking God. I'm all about that axe life. The handsome devil next to me, fam, that's literally my boy. (laughs) I would actually watch a lot of those, honestly. Right? (laughs) Sadly, I probably would play that game. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, All right. Well, on a happier note. This is kind of for creators that are out there. Like if, and I don't even say creators, you know, I would say if you're any type of aspiring business owner, project manager, whatever, and you're trying to make merchandise or fun things for your brand. One of the things I've run into this past week that I kind of knew from history, but was sort of reminded of is that you don't need super fancy, super complicated, whatever designs to sell. And I say this from my own personal example, because I've been working on some new stuff. You know, I'm about to hit some major milestones on social media and stuff. So I wanted to have some new merch out there so I can talk about it. Plus, like YouTube's introducing a new like merch store sort of thing. So I want to take advantage of some stuff. And I started coming up with new designs and they were all fairly simple. But one of the simplest of the designs actually ended up being the bestseller. Which is kind of wild. The thing that took the least time and the least amount of like artist understanding or whatever to get done actually end up being one of the better sellers. So, you know, that just comes back to saying like, oftentimes simple designs work. 
And I see too many people saying like, ah, I can't come up with something to sell or I can't make it look flashy enough or I can't do whatever. Right. But like sometimes simplicity has a place. And this was just one of those things where I was just reminded of that. Like, it doesn't matter that I I took forever to think of this other thing or did this crazy layout or come up with this cool design. Now, I have a couple of things that are coming down the pipe that are a little more involved. But sometimes just a simple thing is good enough. If it hits the right chord, if it lands at the right time, you know, you can benefit more from timing and nostalgia and whatever with a very simple design. You don't necessarily have to have the super advanced, high tech, you know, latest theory design, whatever. Like sometimes people just appreciate simplicity. It's straight and to the point. And that's not to say don't hire artists, you know, but for some projects, Maybe you don't need that big fancy thing. Hell, I think sometimes some people's social media and their Twitch streams or whatever have way more bells and whistles than they're ever going to use or that they even need. But they just look and say, oh, well, I saw this other person with it, so I need that. You know, and the reality is sometimes if you need it to be just enough to be interesting, but enough to still showcase you and get your your thought or product across. And some people just go overboard, I think. But yeah, there you go. Just something simple there, just to tell everybody, like, hey, sometimes keeping it simple works. There's a reason vanilla, you know, is one of the best seller flavors. <laughs> Dude, you ain't no lie. Like, I get tired of seeing vanilla, and it's still hell. Vanilla, vanilla comes in like vanilla, French vanilla, vanilla bean, vanilla. Like, I mean, like vanilla, vanilla, just yeah. all the differences. Pe- people like their vanilla, so there you go. There's a reason. But all right, let's get into today's topics because boy, there are a lot. And we've talked before about Microsoft and Sony and kind of the back and forth and are they going to cross platform or whatever. Well, today, actually, before we started recording, some stories came out from Microsoft claiming that Sony apparently pays what they call blocking rights to developers to not put stuff on Microsoft Game Pass. That, on the one hand, doesn't seem crazy shocking. Yeah, it's it, for everything we know about Sony, for example, how much they were trying to block Fortnite doing crossplay until they just realized, you know, Fortnite just basically said, look, we're the 800-pound gorilla in here. We're, we're going to keep taking this to the fans, making this an issue, and make it clear that you're the only reason we don't have it. <laughs> you know, Nintendo and Microsoft just said, yeah, sounds fun. It's for the gamers. And just kept applying. So, yeah, it just it, it sounds like something Sony would do. I don't have any evidence in front of me other than their past actions. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's exactly it, right? Part of me was like, is this even a story? Because, like, just stories like that, right? We've heard them a couple of different times now. You know, like when some of the sports games want to be on multiple platforms or they were like, ah, but do they have to be? You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. This seems like par for the course with Sony. But then my business side kicks in and it's like, all right. So they've somewhere done the math that paying some amount of dollars is more beneficial than the amount of money they think they would lose or subsequently not gain in some way from the game being available on other platforms. Like, I don't even know what that math would look like to how you would get that exact number. But if this is a common practice, like they have somebody who's trying to figure that out. They've also done the math of like, hey, how much money would it cost us to get PlayStation Plus on the same level as Xbox Game Pass? Oh, way too much. Also, way too much time. Let's just see if we can drag the tropes. Let's see if we can bring Xbox Game Pass down to mortal because Game Pass is crushing it right now. 
yeah, I've heard nothing but positive things. Like literally, people are saying that's the reason to get an Xbox right now. So, you know, they, they're giving you day one, like the new Ninja Turtles game, for example, day one, multiple other games come out and like even MLB The Show designed by Sony San Diego was given away as, you know, as a Xbox Game Pass game, which I, again, they had their hand had to be twisted. And MLB said, yeah, we want you to do this because we want young people to play baseball. Get in here and. Make I that mean, happen, Sonny. You know, I guess blocking rights is an interesting term because they, they said both stories I read use that exact wording from Microsoft. So this has to be something different than exclusivity. Like there, there's like yeah, so that's, don't play with them at all. <laughs> it sounds like. Yeah. Like, so that's kind of interesting. I wonder why that's the language that's used, because I'm trying to figure out like how drastically different that would be from a legal standpoint. Because even exclusivity, a lot of times they sign deals where, like, I, a few years ago, Call of Duty was like, "Hey, it's going to be exclusive to PlayStation for six months." Or, yeah, like you know, some, they'll get stuff first. Yeah, some predetermined amount of time. So actual like long term exclusivity probably costs a whole lot of money, or in some cases, like in a game like with the case of a game like Call of Duty, just why would you even do it? It's going to cost you more money than it's going to make you. See, that's that's the part I'm looking at, like how what and, and obviously, again, they have professionals that have done the math, looked into it, you know, made projections or whatever. But I'm trying to figure out, like, what number would be worth paying to any of the big games, big companies to say, like, no, we want it to be only on our platform. We will pay you this amount of money. Like even even to the studios, right? Because that's that's the yeah, real part so I was of the about to say is like you know, most studios aren't even going to want to do it, especially now the crossplay for for a game like Call of Duty. Now that now that people have gotten a taste of, hey, I got it on Xbox and I can play it with my cousin on PlayStation or Nintendo or whatever, you're not, you're never going to want to go back to the old days. Why would well, you? Well, that's my thing, right? Because it's not just how much money do Microsoft and Sony make or lose. It's if I'm a let's say especially a mid-sized developer with a hot game, right? And I decide, hey, I can at least double my money by putting it on every platform, possibly triple, but at least double my money. Like, how much money am I going to have to accept from Microsoft or Sony to be exclusive on their platform, right? Because if let's say I my product made, I don't know, let's say fifty million dollars last year or whatever, right? But I'm like, hey, on our next one, if we put this also on the Xbox, we could make at least a hundred million. And then, so is yeah. Sony gonna pony up fifty million to keep you from doing that, so, or at least let's say maybe they don't give you the whole amount. Maybe you get twenty five million from them. So right, so you know, all right, I'll take the twenty five because it's guaranteed money, and we don't know we would have made the whole fifty over there. But like, it's got to be a sizable chunk. And not just the money, but if you look at, you know, the reviews and the critical acclaim and that does, you know, have an effect on your bottom number. I know so many people will be like, oh, that game only got a six. I don't play sixes. Wild as that is. But there are people like that. And let's say a game, you know, or a site or podcast only talks about Xbox games and you're on Sony. You don't get any of that. So when they get to the end of the year, best games, they can't talk about you because your game wasn't on Xbox. Yeah, that's also true. So, yeah, I don't know. I like that's I guess that's one thing I didn't think about when I read the story is like what amount of money is good enough for the studios to take to not extend their reach? Yeah. Or and obviously it's going to be a different number for like an indie game. Hey, if Sony wants to or Microsoft or whoever wants to hand them 
X amount of million dollars. Hey, you take it because you this is a brand new game. <laughs> you may be a brand new studio. You don't know if you're going to make them because they're every year. I'm not talking about just bad. I'm talking about every year. There's incredible games, games that win all the game of the year awards. And then the studio closes because nobody played it. Yeah. And the other reality is they don't even know if they would get the deal with the other company. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, you just take the guaranteed money and say, like, cool, we're, we're now a branded partner with you. And you just take the guaranteed cash. Especially as they start, you know, buying studios and things. And now that uh, Microsoft apparently is going to have all of access to all of Blizzard's things, you go, hey, wait, uh, your game looks a little like World of Warcraft. We don't think we want it over here. <laughs> yeah, who knows where that's still going to go. But, I mean, we kind of knew this was going to be the future play, though, whenever they bought Minecraft. Yeah. like, And that was, hell, what, seven years ago or something? Like, they've had Minecraft for a while now. But... When they bought that, I said, this was going to be the future play. Like, And I still remember at the time when people were like, I don't know why they're buying Minecraft. It's already at the time, I think, like five years old or something. And they, it's already past its peak. Like, they have made so much damn money off Minecraft. Right. Like, so much. Like, if you if and that's the thing I think people understand, like, if you have a vision and you know how you can interlace these things and how you can market it and whatever, like. They have customers that have literally grown up from like eight years old to damn near, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old that have always played Minecraft. Yeah. Like that's there's probably there's probably somebody in the room saying, like, are we gonna keep making Pokemon games? I feel like Pokemon is peak. You know, there was somebody who's saying that just, Yeah, and they're they're coming up on what their 25th, 26th anniversary, whatever it is. Right? So it's like yeah, just keep on keeping on, man. People don't understand. A really good brand can go essentially forever. <laughs> Hell, I just discovered recently they're still doing new Pokemon cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like everything Pokemon is still being done. Yeah. It's like good on them. And I, I think if you were to say which franchise will have, you know, that 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 Pokemon type growth chart where heck our grandkids will be played, I think Minecraft would be one of those. Yeah, possibly. I mean, hell, they got all the spinoffs like Roblox and all that other stuff. So, yeah. But all right, let's get into our next story here. And, you know, the recession is kind of everywhere at this point. Like we we're in our month three, I think, of technically officially by definition of the recession. And we we talked about a story a couple weeks ago where one of the the beverage brands Uh, ended up cutting their whole affiliate program effectively. And there's other stories from different companies that have either cut their affiliate programs or just cut off creators, you know, from their programs. And this is becoming more common and not a surprise when you're in a recession. Some of those things are going to be the first to go. But there's even to the point now that some of the big YouTube channels and stuff are starting to do stories about, hey, here's some ways to insulate yourself. Here's some things to look out for. Here's how you can ride this out. And this kind of comes back to things that we don't talk about much industry-wise. But you have to be more diligent about decisions around what partners you're going to work with. And understand the value of those partners and your value to them. You know, we've talked about it on the show before where I would know, well, one, I wouldn't even get a Logitech deal because they already have people to get literally millions of views that they sponsor. So like I'm no value to them. But if I did have a Logitech sponsor, I would already know no matter what happened, at least for the next four or five years, I'm low man on the totem pole. 
So I'm never going to rely on that money or count on that money being solid because if anything were to change, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to know that going in. And it's the same reason, like when I, when I started, got my deal with ultra pro, like I do a lot to take care of ultra pro and they do a lot to take care of me. And I have nurtured that relationship and ultra pro has been around 70 years. They have been through multiple recessions and they have their hand in every type of collectible on the planet. It seems like, so I know they're not going anywhere. Right. So if I make that relationship good, we're solid. Same reason with choosing my recent, uh, eyeglass brand, you know, working with paying glasses, they're a budget eyeglass brand. So even if a recession hits and people are struggling to pay their insurance or whatever, they still got to get glasses. I know a spot you can get some cheap glasses, y'all. <laughs> and they're good. I wear them all the time. So those were strategically chosen, right? But I have other deals coming up and I'll probably talk about one in a week or two that I'm working on that. I know those are short-term deals. I know I'm not worth that much to them. So I'm not relying on that. I just look at that as bonus money. But I think there's a lot of these creators that had a lot of these shaky deals or whatever, because like, oh, some luxury brand wants to work with me or whatever, and I'm going to get a good payday for a month or two. And then when those go away, they're like, oh, well, now what? what's the next thing? What do I do? Who am I looking for? Right. And it's coming back to roost for some people. And, you know, people are starting to see their ad revenues drop a little bit. And again, I think you have to know your niche and know where you're coming from. Right. Because if you're you're one of those Minecraft streamers, you know, because we're talking about how popular Minecraft is or even Pokemon to that matter the average age tends to be a lot lower. So you're already not getting hugely expensive ad revenue because a lot of those brands know that you're marketing kid based things. Yeah. That, you can't, you can't get the Mercedes ad. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. You're, you're marketing things to kids. So kids will go get their parents and go buy the thing. Right. And that's fine. We, we got marketed that way on every eighties cartoon every saturday morning right like that's we and literally we're still watched, buying some of those toys <laughs> yeah we literally watched infomercials for 30 minutes and then annoyed our parents to go buy the thing at walmart mm-hmm. the next week when it came out right that's what we did so this is tried and true nothing new here but i think also understanding your niche and your branding and whatever and who's marketing to you and your group makes a difference because you're going to be a little safer in something like magic where your average age is older and they're going to be getting more expensive ads and whatever. Right. We've seen that with just the CPMs, RPMs on different people's stuff. But you also know, like Twitch has already been tight with their ad dollars going to creators. So if you were like, oh, I got this new ad money from Twitch or whatever, that ad money may not stay that good forever, y'all, especially in a recession. So get the bag while you can. But that's a real thing. I think we're in this situation that I don't think it's like, you know, the sky is falling level stuff. But I do think coming off, of, and we talked about this on the show before, how we we knew where our show was going to spike and where it wasn't based on activities, social news, the behavior around COVID, right? But a lot of people just went, oh, people are home. They're watching all these videos. My views are up. I'm getting more people on my streams. This is great. And then as people started going back to work and going to the movies and going out to the beach or whatever, they don't know what to do. They're in panic mode. Right. I've talked to matter of fact, I know I know a woman who's in one of my discord groups. She does basically, which is a genius thing to have been doing when the housing market was was big. But she basically goes to new development houses and does walkthroughs and shows off all the new like uh, like countertops and fancy bedrooms and whatever, all this stuff. Right. Just those walkthrough videos and was getting tons of views. I mean, you're talking about anywhere between, you know, 30, 40, 50,000. She has one that did a million, you know, whatever. But then recently a bunch of her stuff is doing like 10 or 15,000 views. 
and she's in panic mode. Like, how do I save my channel? She's like, no, the housing market just changed, right? Yeah. You you weren't prepared for that, right? You were living good while everything was hot, but now that something changed, you didn't you didn't plan for it. And I've I've told you before, right? The example I use for myself is starting my business or taking over a business, effectively when Pokemon was starting to skyrocket. I didn't learn how to do business for two years because money was in, money was out. And I tell people you all the time. You had to know <laughs> Yeah, you didn't. Literally, I had conversations where we would just talk about product coming or what was in and it being shipped. Cool. No, no discussion on timelines, no discussion on money. <laughs> like it was just, they knew I was going to get it paid. I knew I was going to get product and that was it, right? You can't do business like that, but people did. And the minute, I mean, you're talking about month, two months later when Pokemon fell off a cliff, you saw a bunch of your favorite stores, personalities, whatever, just disappear. And it's the same thing because people don't plan while things are good. So this is more of just like, hey, this is real. This is a thing that's going to happen to a few people. And don't get me wrong. I think your biggest creators, your best creators, the people that are forward thinking that already got a side hustle lined up, whatever, they're going to be fine. I think they're still going to be here for probably eight, 10 more years to come. So you ain't got to worry about that. But I think those smaller mid-level creators that you enjoy, it's going to be tough, right? Especially even, even your followers may not have as much money, right? You may not be getting as many subs or as many bits or super thanks or whatever site you're on or whatever, right? Like that's going to be a thing. So I think people just got to make those adjustments. But something to look out for, you know, if anything, as a listener, be be cool to your creators. They're probably some of them might be stressing a little bit. You know, like they're still going to be trying to put their best face on to entertain you, but it might be a tough time for some people coming up and let them do videos about new tech stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like let them do what they got to do to get by for the short term. Ah, wrong one. Why is that going off? <laughs> I'll tell you, that thing is starting to come to life. It, it wants it to take over the podcast. Our soundboard has a mind of its own. All right. So we do talk sometimes about how much people make in the game industry. And I think a lot of times people don't know because you see a lot of stuff from the big companies about they pay this much or they don't pay enough or whatever. But when I've come to their defense, you know, and it sucks, you don't ever want to be defending like the monoliths or the conglomerates or whatever. But, you know, even with Wizards of the Coast, which we obviously focus a lot on on the channel, people said, ah, they don't pay enough, whatever. But they pay more than a lot of people in the industry. They really do. And to that example, Paizo, you may have heard the name of that company because they make Pathfinder, which is like the third third edition D&D stuff that people still really like. They recently have had their employees create and join a union because as it turns out, their contract, not in contracts, their salaries that were not even salaries, their hourly, hourly yearly pay was only coming out to thirty-five dollars to $40,000 an employee. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, that's not so bad. Well, maybe not if you live in like, I don't know, middle Tennessee or yeah. rural Texas or something like totally reasonable. But if you live in the greater Seattle area, you have to make as a single person around 41000 to have a livable amount of money for a single person. So they weren't even at that level for most of their employees. There were stories coming out that. People in leadership roles were barely making like the 42, 43,000. That's frightening. Yeah, they had an employee who'd been there nine years leave because she was only making $40,000. Like, that's crazy. 
And this is like, and Paizo's not like an unknown name in the industry. Like they they make a bunch of RPG related stuff. They've got miniatures, they've got maps, they've got specialty cards and all this other stuff, right? A ton of role-playing related things and obviously a bunch of like Pathfinder D&D stuff. Hell, they've had branded stuff with Wizards, I believe, at one point. So it's kind of crazy that a company that's that big does that much was only paying that much, right? And, and not only that, there's the stories from the employees were that several of them, one of their, and I'm using air quotes here, benefits was that they got first pick of the contract jobs. Wow. Yeah, so a bunch of them were working their normal jobs and then trying to do artwork or or write adventure books or whatever for them in their spare time to make an extra like five ten thousand dollars here or there at the end of the year like that's bananas for one of what's effectively one of the industry leaders in a category but that's that's the world we live in that i don't think people get to see that often and don't get me wrong i'm not saying that like you know companies not paying more should just get a free pass but also understand what the scale is that people are working at like people don't realize how much of the RPG industry is contract based. And you're talking about like editors, writers, artists, all that, right? Like they contract a lot of that stuff and then it's brought in house to be finished, right? So they might contract out, let's say three or four writers to do some adventures for a, a book of like eight or 10 adventures they are going to put out. And then they'll have their own in-house editors or whatever to go through it. And they'll pay each of those writers a couple thousand dollars or whatever for their work. And then that's brought in house and the editor finishes it. But like, that's the norm. You know, a lot of these places don't have writers on staff that they're paying 60, 70, uh, $80,000 to. They're just contracting stuff out. And on top of that, they also said the benefits got worse at wow. Paizo over the years, which is one of the additional reason they were like, hey, if we don't have a union, we just can't even work here, which is wild to think about. And I don't think people even know that's an industry thing. Like it, but there are a lot, and it's some of this goes on in the video game industry too. You know, they take advantage of the fact you know that people are lined up to take that job. Yeah, regardless totally. of how little you might be paid, because it's it's so cut. That's the crazy part. Is even as bad as some of these jobs pay, when somebody has dreamed. I mean, heck, I talk about these companies. Journalism was the same way. You know, like my, my, my mom didn't understand why I might go somewhere and work as an intern for free. It's like, because if I don't, there are a hundred people lined up who will. And well, not, that, just, that, not just that, but it's no matter how good you are or what credentials you have, like a lot of times they're going to ask, what's your experience? Yeah. Right. What can I point to to say, like, I can go to my boss and say, no, this person does great work. Right. Like, so there's always somebody who's saying like, well, you know what? I might take this cheaper. I might take this for free. So I can at least get that resume builder. It's sometimes the only way to get in the door is to work for free or close to it. Yeah. And you're talking about some of these writers, according to these reports, is that even some of the contracted stuff was like, you know, as low as I saw reported as low as like eight cents a word. I don't think I've ever and I'm not even like a full time writer. I don't think I've ever written anything that was eight cents a word. I think 10 cents was like the lowest I ever got paid. So that's kind of wild. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's places where I went in the hole just because I was trying to, especially to crack into sports writing. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get NFL clips because obviously you're not getting any kind of NFL job without NFL clips. And not only on top of that, right, you also have the 
the other independent sources that you're competing against, right? Like if you're writing stuff, well, yeah, all these people have their vlogs and their YouTube channels and their their websites. So like all of and that. many of them are breaking news. You know, it, it's not yeah. like where we, when we first saw the internet start, like, oh, okay, what is, you know, what, what is this? Again, websites and blogs, YouTube channels are in many cases breaking news faster than TV stations and newspapers could get to it. Oh, yeah. Imagine like, you know, if you live in the Dallas area and you know somebody who works for the Cowboys, you're probably going to be on top of the news, right? If it, we or see it in wrestling all the time. plays for the Cowboys. It might be your cousin. And yeah. you just got a contact now. But, that but nobody we know else people like down in Florida, like when stuff happens with WWE, people know almost instantly, mm-hmm. you know, because they've got a bunch of their facilities down there. Right. Like so news travels quick right up here. There's a good chance I've known some things coming out of Wizards of the Coast, you know, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, it's not impossible for that to happen. So it, it's a it's a very tough situation. Right. And and, you know, what you bring up is a good point, because you all like this is a tough part about capitalism, right, that we we sadly have to accept after a point is how much can a company justify paying somebody more when there's literally 10, 12, 50 people lined up to take that job for less. That might be equally as good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the crazy part. It's not even like if they pay less, they're getting lower. Some Sometimes they are getting lower quality, but there's some of those people that are really good. They just haven't had a shot yet. But they're willing to do it for. And also, when you talk about benefits, you know, who is going to need to use your insurance more? The 55 year old person close to retirement or the 21 year old kid out of college that never gets sick? Even if the 55 year old is a better writer, you may get more work out of the 20 year old kid fresh out of college. Yeah, that's also tough, right? And that's, this that's is part where, of the calculus that companies do. Yeah. And of course, they're not supposed to be. You know, we have age laws for that, but they but, still do. Yeah. But yeah, and that's tough, right? And and I've been part of some of those situations and some of those conversations at different places. Like that's a hard, hard thing because you generally like you you want the best for people for sure. And if a company has the money, you'd rather them just pay it, right? It's not gonna ultimately it's gonna be roughly a drop in the bucket, so they might as well do it. But when they're trying to like show a one percent profit over last year and this, that, and the other, and they can the next round of hires, they can take all of them for like five to 10 percent, 20 percent less. They're probably gonna. And that sucks. And that's kind of the situation with Paizo that we're talking about. Right. Because there's no way thirty five to forty thousand for a company with that level of recognition in the industry. That's just unacceptable. But they apparently have not had trouble filling those jobs from the outside. So. Should they pay more? Yes. But. Can they make a reasonable justification not to do so? Also, yes. Right? Not saying it's right, but I mean, you you know what I mean? Like, you can't just like not give that any consideration as an actual viable plan. And that's the part that sucks. And we see it all the time with artists and musicians and other things like getting, you know, people and like I told you before, when I go and work with artists and stuff, a lot of them ask like, hey, is this a paying gig by chance? And I'm like, that sucks that that even has to be a question for them. Well, especially with art. I know. So many people have tried to get writing it too. People try to get you to do things for exposure. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, that sucks that that's even a question. That somebody's going to go out of their way to hire you to do a thing and be like, ah, yeah, I was thinking not paying you, but I'll be sure to put your name on stuff. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like that shouldn't like you're going to ask somebody to put in what's probably going to be at least 30, 40 hours on a project mm-hmm. just for you and be like, yeah, but I don't want to really pay anything for it. Like, that's crazy. But that's how people view some stuff. So I'd imagine. It's also tough if you're one of these employees or whatever, and you try to go make a case to somebody some of them are probably going to say like, well, yeah, but you're getting to write for a game company. Yeah, you're getting to do artwork or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to devalue it just because it's it's not the typical white collar job or whatever. Which is sad because it shouldn't be that way. Like, everybody's putting in time and work and, you know, creative jobs are no less valuable than the other jobs, obviously. Or we don't get a lot of the products we have in the world. But yeah, I just thought in general that was a pretty interesting story to kind of enlighten some parts of people to some parts of the industry that uh, they may not have known about. But you know, we finally got some details on Magic 30, so why don't we talk about that for a second? So Wizards of the Coast, just this past week, actually, might have been Monday, where they actually just put out all the information for Magic 30, which is the big Magic 30th anniversary celebration they're going to be doing in Las Vegas on October 28th to the 30th. So Halloween weekend, effectively, even though Halloween's on a Monday. But, you know, it's going to be a busy time in Vegas. And there was a lot of, I guess I could just say negativity around it, right? I I mean, is the best way to describe it. Or at the very least, trepidation. You know, people trying to decide if they should go or not based on the prices. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I, I think the concern for people is that it was pricier than they thought it was going to be. Though, I don't think the prices are necessarily outlandish with what's being offered. And, you know, because they have a base package that's 60 bucks, which gets you in. You also get some promos and stuff. You get some mystery booster, some collect a collector booster. So, like, you're getting some things that are worth, I would assume, because we let's say collector boosters are 20 to $25, depending Right. Your mystery boosters are probably like eight or ten bucks. You're getting two exclusive promos that you only get for the event. I'm assuming low end those are going to sell for like ten bucks, probably as high as thirty to fifty because one's an arcane signet. You can play in almost well, you can play in every commander deck. Right. So that's most of your money back just on the entry fee. So, like, you can't be that upset by it. You know what I mean? Like, 60 bucks, but they're giving you, let's call it 50-ish dollars worth of stuff. Minimum. That's pretty solid. Right? So that's more than reason. And they have a kid's badge that's only 20 bucks. So if you're bringing your kids and they're going to be active, they still get the promos. But instead of getting the uh, collector's boosters and stuff, they're getting a two-player starter set. That's what I was wondering. Do you think kids will want to go to this? Uh, it depends on the kids. You know, I think there really it's are some. Halloween weekend. This is competing with all the candy in, in the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but remember. You gotta ask yourself. <laughs> but remember, you can go on Friday or Saturday, and some of your Halloween stuff may be happening on Saturday or Sunday. You know, so you can still go to the magic thing and then hit up a Halloween thing on one of the other days. Because you'll be able to find something. Especially if you live in the area or in your, in Vegas. Like, there's going to be something somewhere. And to be honest, a lot of the Halloween stuff I've seen for kids has kind of changed from trick-or-treating door-to-door to doing like the trunk-or-treat things. They're doing like individual parties or people's churches are throwing stuff or whatever. So is Magic doing anything Halloween related? For uh, this? My guess is there will probably be something there, but 
I don't think they're going to go way overboard. There is a bunch of, mm-hmm. they did say there's going to be like a cosplay contest and some stuff like that, that, that they did detail. Uh, but then their next package is 160 bucks. Uh, you get all the same stuff before you get an additional collector's booster and you get an exclusive magic 30 play mat. And we also know play mats are generally $20 ish already. It's an exclusive one. So it probably has like a 30, $40 value. So again, you added a hundred bucks, but you added like another 40, $50. Actually, I guess about another $60 worth of stuff. So eh, that one's not as good of a deal. And again, they ha- increase the kids thing there. If you want it, they also get some extra stuff. And then you get into the high dollar stuff, the the high rent district, if you will, where they have the Pearl VIP package, which is $350, but then they just start stacking stuff on you. So then you get four of the Arcane Signet promo. You get two Mystery Boosters. You also get the Richard Garfield special promo, uh, two Modern Horizons boosters. You get three Dominaria Collector's boosters. You get the playmat from the other package. You get an exclusive deck box and sleeves that match the playmat. You also get access to a Unfinity VIP event with Mark Rosewater. So that's going to be an exclusive party where you're going to get the product early there. And then you get a 30th anniversary pin. And we have seen that collector's pins for Magic do actually sell for a reasonable amount. And then you get 10% off any other merchandise you want to buy. And then they're giving you a drawstring backpack as well. So that's actually a lot of additional stuff for the extra $200 over the other package. Some of that is also how much do you value the VIP thing? One, some people really want to meet Mark Rosewater, so that's probably some value. And then I'm assuming if you're doing an Unfinity thing, that means there's probably going to be some Unfinity-related stuff. Minimum, you're probably getting a draft set or doing a draft with the product. So you're going to be walking away with something from that event. There's no way, like knowing Wizards, you're not likely to do a VIP special event and people don't walk away with something in their hands. So there's other value there as well. So I I don't think that one's terrible. But it is definitely more expensive than I think a lot of people would pay. And I would assume you mostly buy that one if you want access to that Infinity party or whatever it is. Infinity event, I should say. It doesn't actually say party. Then they have another $350 package that doesn't come with the Infinity party, but comes with some Commander Legends draft boosters, some other stuff, and get you access to what they're calling the command zone. And this is where things get a little hairy for people. And I do kind of understand this argument where people are upset. There's, you're going to be able to play commander just from what it sounds like open play and whatever, like normal, right? You get access to the event. You can just pull up on a table and play some magic. But it sounds like, and maybe we need some clarity, but best I can read is it sounds like there's going to be a special command zone play area, which as far as I can tell, sounds like it will have the command zone crew there and possibly some other number of creators or whatever in the space. Wherever. So it's kind of like a guaranteed play space that you will always have a spot to play commander. Nobody's going to boot you out of your spot. And some type of celebrity interactions are higher guaranteed being in that spot. I don't know if that's worth the money to people. I don't personally I think gonna, it is. I- yeah, because I'm thinking like with everything you just described to me, I feel like at a magic event, you can't find a place for me to play command without getting booted out of my spot for free. It's a magic event. Well, I can see if I was in I can see if I was in some place like it's a big convention and there's fifty million other brands there, but this is a magic event. Well, yeah, and that's my co- thing. I think there's yeah. going to be plenty of space for people to play. I, I and, and 
So I think if you show up and you got two or three commander decks, you will be able to find somewhere to play commander with people all weekend. I don't so think there's no reason for me to need to pay for that, right? Yeah, I think it's a matter of like, what are you going to get as part of access to that command zone? Like, are there some cool giveaways? Are there going to be all the magic personalities lined up throughout the weekend to be in that space? Because then I could I could see that, right? If you're a big fan of six or seven people and you can guarantee get a game with them or whatever, and that means something to you, then cool. The VIP for that space or whatever is probably great. But if it ends up being just like, okay, here's just a designated nice space to play commander. Yeah. Why would you pay for that? Right. You know what I mean? I like, <laughs> yeah. If that's all it is, then I, at least the other VIP package, at least come like you get the exclusive infinity event and you get to meet Rosewater and all that stuff. Right. Like that's a guaranteed other thing. That's a unique experience for that $350. The like, maybe possibly I get to do something in the command zone. And that's the thing. The command zone thing isn't really like defined enough for me to justify that $350 package. No, the other I one, just, you know, you're, yeah, the other one, you know, you're getting that infinity experience or whatever, and that makes it worth it. That's a Nintendo switch and a half. Yeah, for <laughs> I mean. sure. Now they have one more, which is their black Lotus VIP package. And you knew it was going to be expensive because it's Black Lotus well, VIP, yeah. right? $700. But this comes with a lot of stuff. All right. So you get the promos. You get the, the or the, you get the four copies of the Arcane Signet. You get the Garfield promo, two mystery boosters, three Dominaria United Collector boosters, three Commander Legends draft boosters, two Modern Horizons 2 boosters, four Commander promo soul rings, which we've seen those before. Yeah. You get the exclusive playmat. The an exclusive commander playmat. You get the exclusive deck box and sleeves. There's an, a secret layer that they're going to make available during that weekend. So you get that as well as part of it. You get a special Timbuktu Planeswalker backpack, which I show a picture of uh, even lower in the, the announcement. You get a, a ticket for a commander on, on demand event. You also get access to the Rosewater Party. You also get access to the command zone. You get uh, access to the Crimson Anniversary Night Party that they're calling, which I guess is going to be their Halloween party, and then you get access to their VIP lounge, and you get ten percent off all the other merchandise or whatever. So that's actually pretty solid. And they give you the option that you can add on forty dollars for like your plus one to the party or whatever if you just want to bring somebody to that. So for seven hundred dollars, excluding the command zone thing, because I don't know how much value that really has right now. That's. Eh, maybe, maybe not. You know what I mean? Worth seven hundred bucks. Because again, yeah, for, for seven hundred bucks in this economy, you can't be maybe, maybe not. It could be like I'm gonna just die if I don't go to this. Is what I need for seven hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, kind of like you know, what value is the anniversary party? Again, Wizards is probably gonna have some giveaways or something, or whatever. But there'll probably be surprises. But if there's some neat stuff at the anniversary party, you also are getting access to the Friday Mark Rosewater event, whatever. You're getting the backpack, which we all know if you have rare magic items, they always end up being worth a dumb amount of money later. So, like, you just take it. You get the secret layer. I mean, like, there's some value there, but, like, it really comes down to how much do you value the events, right? Yeah. Because that, that's what it's going to be about. So I could see a lot of people passing on that, but then it also makes the parties kind of exclusive. And if there are giveaways, then you're talking about some of the stuff from those being worth dumb amounts of money because you'd only have maybe a, a couple hundred people tops. Let end up attending it. 
So and at the risk of sounding like a broken record, COVID's still a thing. How sure. much would you like to pay to increase your risk of getting COVID nineteen? Sure, that's real, right? That's a thing that people need to consider as well, especially especially in Vegas, right? You know, like just being honest. What happens in Vegas? Don't stay in Vegas if it's COVID. And I'll be honest, I've traveled, I've done some events recently, like, and I I do a lot to watch out for myself. I I limit who I'm around outside of the event with and without mask or whatever. Like I'm very diligent about things. So like you got to think about all that going into these things. Now that's all the tickets. They, they do have a decent event schedule. I will say, uh, it's not overly packed. You know, they are doing some speaking engagements with the game nights folks and stuff. Uh, if you want to play with them, that's in there. There's going to, they're going to have people from wizard studio talking about things. Richard Garfield's going to be up speaking. They're going to show you a bunch of new stuff for Unfinity there, which is pretty cool. There's going to be stuff for artists, cosplayers, uh, speakers for the commander advisory group, some lore panels. So like a bunch of the stuff you would expect to be on there. And then they have a surprisingly a very small number of artists, but they specifically say sponsored artists. So I wonder if there's going to be others that maybe came on their own dime or whatever for whatever reason. I don't know. That seems like a very awkward wording to use instead of just saying artist. So I feel like there's some legal stuff there that maybe if they were sponsored, they had to meet certain requirements and others are like, well, I'll pay for my own space if I don't have to do those things or whatever. Sort sort of the vibe I'm getting, but they do list five artists that'll be there. Uh, not to mention others, like I said, could still be there. And then, you know, they talk about the party, come celebrate our one year anniversary with Edgar Markov and Olivia Valderin. Guests will journey into Innistrad and revel in the cele- and celebrate this adorable, definitely in love couple. Come in costume if you wish, dance, drink, party, all that good stuff. Uh, I guess they'll have cosplayers like the the characters that'll be in attendance. And yeah, just a for real party. Halloween theme, decor, cosplayers. Cool, cool. And then you'll have the World Championships happening there, so that's a thing. So yeah, just kind of interesting. It's like it's a whole different type of event. And then they're doing a special event, I think, throughout the weekend that you'll get to qualify to play in a beta, or I get to play in a special. I think it's a Legends booster draft. I think it is. And then you know the prizes will be like a beta booster, Arabian Nights booster, some super rare stuff. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, they do talk about commander play. That you'll have the command zone, but then there'll also be other variety of just commander stuff each day that you can just play in. So, eh, you know, I'm just kind of like, if there's other commander stuff to do, I'm not really sure, again, why we're paying for the command zone space, because it doesn't really say still. It's just like, yeah, for 300 or how much is the command zone again? Yeah, it's it's at least 350. Yeah, I, I need them, before I give you almost 400 bucks, I need to know exactly why I'm giving you that. There need to be a mystery to that. Yeah, I don't. That's the thing I'm just kind of confused by. Like, if I can still just play Commander everywhere, which it sounds like I can, I'm not totally sure what the benefit is of the command zone. But hey, who knows? But yeah. Otherwise, but again, for almost 400 bucks, we need to know. <laughs> or else, why would I give you 400 bucks? Almost. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, a whole huge list of cool like throwback sealed events and stuff. So if you never got to play in some of the old sealed and booster draft stuff, that's going to be available. Like, just tons of neat stuff. You know, if you play all the older formats, there's going to be stuff, mystery booster events. So, like, yeah, just lots of quality. Like, just magic all weekend. 
you know, which is what we would expect to see. So nothing too surprising there, really, overall. But they are doing a thing that has gotten people a little bit riled up, and it's called their new perspective grant program. And I'll, I'll just read verbatim what they have here. And it says the new perspective grant program aims to support the inclusion of magic enthusiasts who belong to historically underrepresented groups by providing assistance to attend the Magic 30 convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. Ten selected applicants will each receive one Black Lotus VIP package, including a three-day badge to Magic 30 and $2,000 stipend for travel accommodations and expenses related to Magic 30 attendance. And they have a thing for like applications have to be accepted by August or they're going to open them from August 9th through the 17th. And then they'll try to, you know, the cutoff, I think it's somewhere around like the 24th. They're going to try to contact people. And then you have like a couple of days to get back to them or whatever, or they're going to give it to somebody else. So I, I like, here's the thing, like the, the we'll call it the scholarship program. Cause that's how some other conventions referred to it. It isn't a new thing, right? We know something like San Diego comic-con, for as big as that, how we looked up the numbers before the show, they did 130,000 plus at this year's event. And they gave away two. Like, probably, I'm going to assume, I don't think it'd be wrong to say, probably in the ballpark of at least 100,000 more people than this magic event's going to draw. And they gave away two. You know what I mean? Like, so Wizards giving away 10 is actually a pretty strong number. And what they're offering is roughly the same. I believe the ones for San Diego Comic-Con give away $50 each day for just a $50 stipend to use for whatever you want. And then they cover your airfare, hotel, whatever. Which is it roughly doing the same because $2,000 should cover for most people in the U.S. And yes, this is for people in the U.S. It doesn't cover people outside the U.S. Yeah, that, that sucks. But, but to be fair, I kind of get it, right? Especially for the first time you're going to do it. And we're in the situation with COVID and whatever. In different countries, you have to pass COVID checks in and out of the country or whatever. There could end up being a weird liability for Wizards. Like, if you get stuck here, but you didn't have that much money, you know, now they've got to take care of you or house you till you can get back or whatever if you don't pass your COVID check. You know what I mean? Like, small considerations, but knowing how risk-averse legal Wizard is, <laughs> I kind of get it. It sucks for players outside of the U.S., Maybe they should be considering putting an event, I don't know, in Italy or something next year or whatever, so people can do a Magic 30 there. But I would I would at least like to see that attempted some point next year. Just one international one, at least, that's yeah, closer would, for people I, to get to. I concur. That would be just, that would be an, that's a great idea. That's an awesome thing that I hope they do. But $2,000 will cover all your expenses right now. Even an expensive ticket to Vegas is about 700 bucks. That leaves you at least $1,300 for other stuff. Plus, they're going to give you the $700 VIP package that comes with a billion things that you can obviously sell or trade or whatever after the fact. So that's actually a pretty good deal. Now, some people are upset because it's only 10 and it's not more than 10 or whatever. But 10 is more than what, as far as I could tell, every other convention does. Of course, is- it should be noted that everybody else wasn't printing cards or pictures of Klansmen on them. So there, there is that. Sure. But we also know a lot of other events or companies that work with events also have their own histories, right? So let's also be fair. But I agree with you. Like, they are trying to make up for some recent issues, for sure. Yeah. But like I said, 10 is definitely 
multiples more than what a lot of other people offer. So I get it. Now, the process has some people questioning because there's like, well, who's going to make the decision on who gets it or not? Because they are saying the eva- the applications will be evaluated on quality and originality. What does that mean? Depends on, I guess, how sexy you make your proposal, right? Like, do you have important history in the industry? Do you have like, I don't know, maybe uh, in our case, maybe the podcast they don't know about or whatever, like something to say like, hey, I think I deserve to go for these reasons. Maybe you've been a lifelong fan and you've never been to a big magic event. And this is, they're like, hey, we want to give somebody their first event experience or whatever. I'm sure they're going to be picking for a lot of different reasons. That's upsetting to people because they don't know why or whatever. But truthfully, I've said it before for some other things. And kind of like YouTube, right? People get upset that a lot of the YouTube stuff is sort of secretive. You don't really know how some of it works. But I'm a big believer that gamers will game the system. So the more information you give us, we are going to find a way to manipulate that because we're trying to min-max, right? So it's probably best that we don't have that information because then people are just going to dress up their proposals to be exactly to meet those things. And Wizards is going to get Isn't a lot that of kind of like what applying for a scholarship is, though. No, you can be like, if I apply for a college scholarship, they give me some idea what they're looking for. But they don't. Like you literally say, like, I was captain of the Glee Club or whatever, and I I was in drama. And you say that because we've we've learned over the years that they like you to be captain of organizations that participate and do community service. So at this point, you can't say that you have no idea. And, for people, this, you, and people still don't get admitted. Right. Even when you have all those credentials. So we still don't know what they're looking for. They've told us and we've heard stories over the years, but then we also hear people who have all those things and then get a rejection letter. So I don't know, (laughs) like even in this case, but like I, I think my problem is, though, I I get people being concerned. I do. But I also think, again, the rage is a little misplaced because like. Do like okay, do does knowing who's on the committee help? It maybe makes us feel a little better. You know what I mean? I, would, I mean we we would at least know the commu- that the committee is diverse. I think that's what yeah, my that's, main that's concern. The only, like, I, I want to make sure I want to make sure to say five white guys picking this. That's the only thing I would think. And honestly, and granted, this is giving a lot of credit, but I'm saying if you hired a person who's in charge of diversity. <laughs> I would assume they're going to have a say so over this type of program. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if this program is something they propose because it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Right. So I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that person is at least going to be one of the people on the committee. Because otherwise, that, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that's a thing. Because otherwise, it'd be weird. Right. Why, yeah. why hire the person to be in charge of that and then give them no say on either being there or appointing somebody to be there? And again, be- putting my PR hat on, we should know that. Like when, like when, when uh, John K- Telling Smith came on and you know started working on the, the secret lair, there was a there's a press release <laughs> explaining and touting all that. We should have the same thing here so that we don't have these questions. I don't know if it needs a press release, but I mean, it should, I, be, I, should be mentioned. Well, I, 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 with Magic, I see to you in the, the journalism. I, yes, you do need one. No, I disagree. <laughs> this this I, is my field of expertise. I, I don't feel like this is a big enough thing for a press release. Like, I, I, I think even if you made a press release, it wouldn't even make news. 
honestly. They, they would make news for people to cover magic. I mean, no, it's not going to be on your local. It's not going to be on CNN, but it will make news, you know, for people that cover magic and card gaming, especially in light of the history that Wizards has had. Maybe, but I hadn't even seen people mention this program outside of like the people being mad about it on Twitter. Like even in my discords and stuff where people are talking about like that's where press releases come in. I, yeah, I have been somebody sitting in my computer waiting for what magic news do I cover today? You know, and oh, lo and behold, this press release falls in my lap and I write about it because, hey, it's Wednesday. I may not have had anything else. Or if I'm specifically covering, hey. Wizards, you know, had some problems with with uh, racism. H- how's that going? That, that's how that's how it works. If somebody's following that story, hey, you check back with them. And say, hey, look, we're doing things to be less racist. That's how public relations works. I mean, I hear you, but I'm just telling you, like on the ground level, there are going to be a ton of people who the people it should reach to be part of like the community and the conversation, whatever. It just doesn't. Like, I don't, I don't even know how else to describe it. It's like I told you, literally walking in the stores where people are playing commander and don't know what a command zone is. Like, I don't know if there is a way to make those announcements matter. Like, which is awful because we should have a way. I, think, I absolutely think there's a way to make them matter. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is at this point, though. But but, again, but it's not your job to know if you're if you're but there. Dude, but not just that. But I'm saying from somebody who's been in the industry for years. And literally been on the ground floor and worked with multiple games, trying to get announcements out to people and whatever. Hell, we had trouble, like, even being a retailer, trying to get retailers just to see news. That matters to them. <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what we have to do when well, it comes retail, to well, Retailers are trying to pay the bills. I'm talking about you need to reach journalists. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're XYZ person that owns the card store doesn't care that magic I would say they don't care a lot of them like they're trying to pay bills you press releases are not for retailers press releases are for people for press it's the name exactly but what is that like I guess what I'm saying is if I do the press release and it doesn't reach magic players what does it matter like that that's that's kind of my my point is like if we go to okay, the effort, if, if it's something out. like but give me the chance as a writer if i write an article that nobody reads uh, okay that's on me but give me the chance to write the article don't make me hear about it on twitter when i may not have been on twitter that day sure i can get behind that but like i just i don't know like i i'm disillusioned i guess that's it i'm jaded that's where i'm at i'm just jaded I, I i think that's my issue like i've been in the trenches i've tried i've seen all the stuff that people put the effort in on and i'm just like man i don't know what the answer is at this point and and i and i think though like i don't know and, and i'll tell you like just some of the things that i've learned over the years everything isn't gonna catch oh sure, you may sure. have to write 20 releases to get that one story that that, that captures people I'm gonna tell you somebody. I'm sure I wrote. God, I don't want to know. Let's say two thousand stories over the course of my lifetime. There may be ten, you know, that, that won an award that, that touched somebody that uh, you know that, that, that people would still that even I still remember why I wrote it and that, that it helped me advance my career. But you know, the, the the ten are important, and you may have to pitch. That's fair. You may have to pitch a thousand stories to to get that one, you know, that causes some change somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I'm definitely not going to argue with that. 
the the thing I will say about this though, you're bringing us back kind of to the the core issue here, is I think people are trying to make too much of an issue out of something that is otherwise positive. Now, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Like, there's definitely things we'd want to see changed or updated, whatever. But I also understand that this is their first attempt at doing something like this. Yeah. And so, I think one of, the, one of the complaints that I saw was like, okay, you're pitting creators of color uh, against each other. And I get that. But that's everything. Like, you can't. But, but you don't have to do what everybody else did. Maybe you specifically refers to you, you can if you have to come back to do it this way okay but let first wave reach out to actual creators of color who are already doing the work and see if they're interested but then here's by the, now you should other, have some idea here's the other problem though because then there's going to be somebody that goes like well why wasn't this person picked does this person have like let's say twenty thousand subscribers in your case? Because you, if they pick you, you could absolutely explain why but, they picked you. But you that's got the thing, 20- though, right? Like in this in this setup, you might find somebody. Like I said, that they've been a lifelong fan. Maybe they don't even have any social following. But you know what? You just and obviously do- you probably would not, probably not pick somebody with no social following. No, but but I'm saying like we don't know what they're going to use to select it, right? Like I, I would think you would maybe, certainly. I mean, maybe they're a person of color who's opening a game store and they've just been struggling for the last year because of COVID or whatever, and they want to do something nice for them, right? I, I'm betting that's not probably how they're going to do it, though. No, I'm, I'm saying, but we don't know who what they're going to use the basis for, right? So, let's say they did pick a bunch of people. Let's say they went out and just picked ten, and they're not me. They're not uh, Lou, Louis Stardust. They're not. I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody else, but one more mana. It's exactly. They're not any of the ones, you know, that are even associated with commander, right? Like they pick somebody else who they just are like, Hey, this person we've seen putting in time into the community for the last X years. want to give them a shot. And then people look and go like, well, why wasn't it Joe Johnson? He's, he's got a whole channel on commander and you didn't invite him to be part of the thing. I would say yes, but with the whole channel, <laughs> that probably is somebody you invite if you got it, 10 spots. If you only have 10 spots, somebody's still going to get left out, right? So we're just going to change the argument from one thing to the other. There's going to be people complaining about who got picked. But, but if we change the argument, at least, okay, you took initiative. We know, remember the situation where they tried to name a black magic player and couldn't think of anybody? You know, if they, if they pick people, we they say, hey, look, we've done some work in here. We are aware of the black magic players. See, I don't know. The way, I the guess, way they're doing it now is like, hey, uh, you tell us. It still kind of looks like we still don't know who's who's out there doing good content is what it feels like to me. If they're picking just based on content. And that's what I'm saying. We got to see who they select at the end of all of it. Right, but I like, would say, out of ten spots, I would think at least two or three of them would probably like, as you said, somebody that has a commander channel would be somebody that you obviously could justify. If this is all they talk about, yeah, you would want them in your command zone. They could be somebody that explains, you know, exactly what all is in the command zone and what the value is. Yeah, but is it maybe Michael Mapson who maybe he always talks about like, like legacy and stuff? Like, is that relevant enough to bring them? Or one of these, we have several black content creators that have started doing, that have been doing magic or uh, D&D that are starting to get into magic, right? Do we invite them? 
because they're starting to bring in a whole new audience and they might do some coverage while they're there versus somebody who's been part of the magic community to get some recognition since it's a 30th anniversary thing. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying there was a lot of people they could choose. That would also be a different argument that had people mad about something else. Yeah. I mean, obviously people that don't, there will be people that didn't get picked that are going to feel badly about it. But again, you're the, if you're the one in charge of magic, you signed up to make those decisions. That's, I don't know. It's quite I, literally your job. I don't, like I see what people are trying to say about pitting people against each other or whatever, but like I don't know. This, to me, that's just every process that people have to apply for something. And again, you don't have to do what everybody else did. Sure, but it's just you're changing one argument to another. And if I'm in Wizards, for me personally, even if I could go out and pick people, I would rather let people submit so I maybe find something I. And, and as I said, you could if if you if you pick if you reach out to people, and for that they maybe can't make it for whatever reason, then okay, we we go to this. And it maybe and again maybe they maybe they did try it that way, and you know had you <laughs> had I, you I read the press release about it, we, we might know that. But my my issue, like I said, is I would rather do it the other way. So and again, this comes down to what they're looking for like and and we're not going to know that till they select whoever they're going to select but if the goal is to not get just content creators then i would rather have people submit so we can find those good stories those fun stories whatever reason like i said whatever they're using to base it on it could be a lot of different because they did say quality and originality so who knows there, there could be a million re- things they're looking at, or they might not even know and just say, you know what, let's just see what interesting stories we get and see if we can turn those into 30th anniversary promo stories yeah. or something, right? I don't know. But me personally, if I'm in their shoes, I would rather open the door to find people I don't know about. And they may not necessarily be content creators. That Otherwise, if you just select it, now and let's say it gets done and they do select you know, eight of the 10 people are all just the biggest content creators that submitted. I, I completely expect that they're going to be at least half content creators. Yeah, then it's just like, oh, well, you could have just done that anyway. You know what I mean? Like, if you're just going to, if 80% of them are just going to be content creators, then like, yeah, this whole process was kind of silly. Because, I mean, they're good at it. They're probably going to be the ones who submit the most original and most entertaining material. They're content creators for a reason. Sort of, but they also made it sound like those people are not going to be required to do anything, really. Like, I think they said there's like one or two events they'd want you to play in just to, like, make sure you attended something (laughs) that they gave you the money for. But, yeah, there's no, like, requirement of content or anything. So that's what makes me think they're not just looking for content creators. Because otherwise, I think there would be some like specifics of, okay, we will need these things from you. So if you're thinking about submitting, understand this is what we're asking. But they put specifically that like, yeah, just we want you to attend an event or two, but that's about it. And, you know, fill out an, uh, a survey afterwards of just like probably for them of just like, hey, how did you feel about the process? How easy was it for you to get your paperwork? You know, probably that type of stuff just to make it easier for next year. But I, but I do think it's an easy and interesting conversation, right? Because we're obviously on different sides of this. And I think a lot of the community is on different sides of it. And I think... I, mean, I think we're both in agreement that it's a good thing that they're doing scholarships. Yes. Or whatever, by whatever name you want to call it. Yeah, agreed. I, and I think that's the part we do agree on. But I think when people see these arguments online or even hear the discussions on different shows or whatever, I think it's 
hard for people to, I think everybody wants to know what's right or wrong, right? Like, how should I feel about this? And I don't think it's that black and white, you know, pardon the pun there, but like, I don't think it's as clear as people think it is because I totally see where you're coming from. I'm saying like, Hey, you as the company, just take the onus and show us that you're putting in time and go pick people. Right. That's a reasonable argument to make. Especially when the last time you tried that, you couldn't think of anybody. Sure. Like I am totally with you on that. You know, I'm just on the other side of saying, Hey, maybe the goal is to find people they don't know about. Right. Maybe to find people that aren't necessarily full time creators, maybe aspiring creators, maybe lifelong fans. Like we're saying, maybe store owners that have been under the radar or who the hell. I don't know. Maybe it ends up. Being yeah, a wish yeah, I would just love for them to like, <laughs> and, they, and, and, you know, and of course, they hadn't picked the people yet. So after they pick people, I would love to, you know, just hear some of their stories. So, so we kind of know what the, you know, what the process was, why this person was picked, maybe see, and if we, not, if we would necessarily see what they submitted, just kind of, you know, yeah, just a five just bio is good enough. I don't need yeah. a lot, but just like, Oh, this person's played magic for 10 years. Like we said, maybe they've never attended a major. Well, also event. it depends because every story is equal. If somebody has overcome something incredible, like let's say, you know, somebody, I'll just throw, throw out, you know, your 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 uh, something. Let's say somebody, you know, lost their lost their mom last year, and magic helped them get through the pandemic. Exactly. So if, if there's a if there's a great story out there, by all means, tell it to us. Exactly. Like maybe you and your parents were planning on attending a magic event at some point, then COVID happened, and then you lost your parents somehow or whatever, and you still want to honor them and attend an event or whatever. like that's a that's a far-fetched story but maybe right but that, that, that's the trap we fall into as writers like where we give everybody the same bio even though somebody else you know had something phenomenal that happened and it's easy to do when you're just you know sitting at your desk trying to crack out however many stories you were assigned for that sure. week i have had like you know i'll walk into every interview with prepared questions and then the first, then, you know, the answer to the first question is something like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not with it right now. You know, uh, I, some, some something t- terrible just happened. Like, OK, let me put away my prepared questions. Yeah, exactly. and like, go here. You, you got to be able to do that as a writer. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if if we do find one or two interesting stories like that, then this process makes sense. But like I said, if it comes back and. It's all just like the people we assume they would pick. It was like, well, okay, it's still cool you gave it to them, but did we even have to go through the process? You know what I mean? Oh, now I say I'll give a small caveat to that. If by them also acquiring these applicants, they reach out to them for future endeavors, then that there could be some value there as well. Because there's always a business aspect to information. Right. And I think people I think that's one of the biggest things that people undervalue when it comes to business is information. Like if you have if you have contacts, you've got email addresses, you go like that stuff's worth so much more. Like, hell, if you ever watch like Shark Tank and somebody's able to tell them like, oh, yeah, we have a hundred thousand customer email list or whatever. Man, that's like salivation starts. Right. You know, like they're like, oh, really now? Right. Like. So you might sharks be ready to shank each other in the back. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, so there's value to that, right? If let's say through this process, I don't think they'll get a ton of applications, but let's say they get a couple hundred, right? That may be of those couple hundred, at least half might be people they didn't even know about. Right. And are those people that, you know, you can get as a writer or an artist or who knows what for a future project that could go a long way toward helping the diversity as well. So 
I get the thing of just like, ah, you're pitting people against each other and whatever. But at the same time, other stuff could come from this. You know, it may not. Real talk. Somebody, I mean, somebody could could get picked, you know, catch COVID, not be able to go. And then, hey, you got uh, just a, a file of people you're ready to pull from. Yeah. And I, and I will say I have set on interviews where you've gone through the process where you weren't even thinking about it, hiring two people. But because somebody else got in front of you, you're like, hey, remember this person we interviewed like two weeks ago? We should call them back because this person's going to be moving on and whatever. Right. Because now they're they're in your Rolodex. You got access to them. So this could be a similar case, too, which is why I've always been a fan of even even for my store, when I kind of had an idea of who was interested in working for me already and I was kind of going to interview them or give them an opportunity, I would still put it out there and be like, hey, let me put this up for a week and see a couple of applications we get yeah. in case. Right. Because you never know. Like sometime and we've had it happen once or twice. So one of the customers that we'd had for years was like, oh, yeah, I was looking at changing jobs or I was looking at, you know, getting a little side hustle on the weekends or whatever. And like, oh, cool. I didn't even know you were an option. Yeah. And you get surprised like that. And I've hired a few people that way. But had I just been like, well, I know somebody who'd be good for the job and they're interested. Let me just go talk to them. Right. I would have missed a opportunity for not just a quality employee, but somebody we already trust that's already into the products, you know. So I get it. But I, but I do think it's, I, I like these topics coming up because I do think it's a chance for us to at least let the listeners know that there can be a lot of sides to an issue and one's not necessarily right or wrong over the other one. Yeah. Like, it's just a matter of perspective. Like you talk about the interview situation, I'll put my actor hat on. You know, sometimes you have an audition, somebody comes in, auditions for the hero, and then they're not right for it. But they're so good at acting, they end up becoming the villain. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that where people have gone in for like a lead role and it turns out you get like the the third highest role or whatever. Because they're like, ah, yeah. oh, remember this other dude? <laughs> like like uh, one of the best examples of that, when they first cast the Golden Girls, they wanted Betty White to play the role of Blanche, you know, the slutty character, because that was the character she played on Mary Tyler Moore, Sue Ann Nivens. Yeah. But she, they, they had no idea how good Betty White was at playing stupid. <laughs> so she became Rose and Ruben Clanahan obviously became Blanche. Not just that. Like, Blanche was the perfect dirty Blanche. Right. Like, but, but again, if you remember Maude, uh, Ruben Clanahan played the ditzy character on, uh, on Maude. So, so they were thinking like she'd be a perfect Rose because, again, she played ditzy very well. But nobody knew, you know, until they tried to like, hey, wait, why don't each of you read for this? <laughs> you know? I get it. You know what? Another person like that, I, I feel like I heard a story on was, uh, crap, what's his name from Third Rock from the Sun? the main guy like uh you talking about john lithgow yeah or? i i i feel like i read something where the, he's another one that surprised people when he auditioned because i guess the people who were doing the directors or didn't know he had that comedy in him right and then they were like yeah, he was kind of famous for playing more you know he did a lot of villain roles yeah like I, the first no, time i saw time him time. that stands out to me was a movie he did with denzel where he was like the uh yeah the the dude that got locked up and then he like obsessed over getting back at denzel where he yep. gets out and then goes after him or whatever like yeah, dude, so scary super awesome crazy person. i can't think of the name of the movie either but is it ricochet i want to say it's ricochet it might be ricochet yeah, but the guy of that movie was good. And he was great yeah, in that. He was. And Denzel always, you know, Denzel. Yeah, and that was one of those roles where I'm like, who is this dude? And then I saw him in some other stuff. I'm like, man, this guy's good. You know, and then you see him in yep. Third Rock and you're like, right. that's the same dude. <laughs> 
So yeah, you sometimes it was ricochet. I had to, yeah, that was ricochet. Yeah, sometimes you get surprised by stuff like that. So yeah. I totally get it. But yeah, anyway, I thought it was a good guy. We we've now wasted like thirty minutes on it, but but it was a good conversation. It's not a waste, you know, if we got yeah. a good conversation. And I, and I think that's and exactly people tell that. us that you know that they, they love us going on. And yeah, exactly. Debating this topic, we do have a dinner table. We swear. Yeah. Speaking of, let's 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 break out some dishes and and roll into that. But. Kind of still on the note of conventions, especially right now in the time of COVID and a recession with money being a problem for some people. What's the benefit to conventions or to each convention for people? You know, and I I don't want this to be an argument of just like you should or shouldn't go to a convention, right? Like because that's all going to be completely individual decisions. But I think we start talking about like the entry fees and whatever else because let's use compare magic 30 as an example because that's the feel bad one right now right like you either (laughs) are going to be able to go or not go or whatever yeah but comparing it to san diego comic-con like individual days were like 70 bucks you know 69 dollars or something so in the ballpark and you're not getting as many freebies that you could just resell easily in a lot of cases for like single day passes like you would for magic right you've got stuff like uh pax west i believe is $62 $62 a day, which is a weird number, but I think that's how much that is. And then their weekend pass is $230. So pretty much in line with Magic, plus or minus a few bucks. So like, not a huge surprise. But this is kind of like the going rate, right? You're talking about Gen Con was just, we just got through a Gen Con, right? $65 a day, $80 for Saturday, or $120 for the whole weekend. And it's kind of all falls. Now there's other stuff like industry conventions. Like I'm looking at, which is crazy, but Vid Summit, which is only for creators, that's a thousand dollars, right? So it really comes down to purpose and why you want to attend some of these things. Yeah, and that one is specifically, you know, you're going, you're you're it's hoping business. to build your brand. Yeah, yeah. VidCon's the same way. I think they have some like special packages for like seventy, but theirs go up to like eight or nine hundred dollars, and it's another industry one. But you just came off a DreamHack that has. I think $45 day passes and it was like 120 for the weekend, something like that. PAX Unplugged is actually a cheaper convention and that's their tabletop convention they do in December in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, I think actually. And there's like $35 a day and like $80 for a weekend pass. So it's totally cheap by comparison, but it's also in December in Philadelphia. So travel and snow, you know, whatever. Like you take that gamble. But I bring all that up to say like, Magic 30 really isn't priced terribly. Now, again, we don't know what the whole command zone thing is, so I'm like throwing that to the side for the sake of argument. But everything else, especially when you include the fact that you're getting a lot of actual sellable, collectible, rare things as part of a lot of these kits or, or badge, I don't know, I guess packages we should call them, right? That actually makes it somewhat reasonable. But then it just comes down to what is your reason for attending the convention? Yeah. You know, because each convention I go to, I treat differently, right? Like if I'm going, like for me, going to something like a Command Fest, I have to look at it from a business perspective, right? I got to spend time socializing with other content creators. I got to meet several people that follow my stuff that we've never met before. So there was a PR reason for me to go to those. But I looked at something like Gen Con, and unless I wanted to do work for... Ultra Pro while I was there, I really wasn't going to have a reason to be at Gen Con. There was no big championship things I needed to play in. 
there weren't any product releases I was particularly concerned about being previewed or whatever there that I needed to see early or show to people. So like as much as I like Gen Con and I like playing the games and attending stuff, I've been to Gen Con many times. When I'm looking at budget and time, it didn't make sense for me to go. And I had people going like, oh, you're not going to be there or whatever. And like, sure, I could have got part of my event paid for or whatever, but like it still just wasn't worth it. I'll spend my time and unless we, you know, we have to admit somewhat health risk, you know, on other things, right? Like right. The, the payout <laughs> has to be bigger or the payoff has to be bigger. Something like PAX West, I will be going to, but it's also in my backyard, right? I can drive less than an hour to be at it. So in that case, sure, it makes sense for me to go. Like, I don't have to travel far. I, I'm out gas and parking. You know what I mean? Like, that that makes a lot of sense. Would I fly to a PAX West if I was still in Texas? Mm, probably not. Right? I don't think there's enough of a gain there for me. And I think that's what people have to decide. Like, you have FOMO, but what's the FOMO for? Right? Is it just because you didn't get to see your friends and game or whatever? Then could you just plan something else? Sure. Do you want to be at those rare moments? Is there something big going on that you don't get to see otherwise? Like, even for Magic 30, they've already said there's going to be a couple of other ones throughout next year. So if you miss the one in Vegas, you can go to the one wherever it's supposed to be in like Columbus or something or whatever they said the other one's going to be at. Right. And supposedly it sounds like going to be at least one more other than that. So you'll have at least two shots next year to attend one. So, of course, a year is a long time. You assume all sorts of things. You might. True. We might be in a third lockdown or whatever. Right. right? Whatever. Like, who knows? Right. So that that's real. But each of these events, like we're saying, like Vid Summit. You know, would I would I ever consider paying a thousand dollars for a gaming event? No, I, I can't realistically just unless I, I say that, I guess if I was going to be playing in some crazy event with some humongous prize pool or something, whatever, I might think about it. But realistically, I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars to be in any gaming event. And of course, you're now, you know, is your privilege like now you're not going to have to. They, 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 they're bringing you to these events for some of them. Yeah, but. I would pay $1,000 to Vid Summit, right? Because it's strictly business. I'm going in, I'm going to make my business better, whatever. So those types of conventions are worth it for me to spend even more. Hell, in this case, you're talking about at least three times as much as I would pay for any gaming convention I would want to pay for. And I think that's hard for some people to kind of wrap their head around. It's like, you got to assess the value. And I don't think they're all even. You know, they can all be good or bad at different dollar values, depending on what you expect to get out of them. Now, if your goal is just to go for fun, and that's totally cool, that's what most people do. They're fans. They want to just go see their favorite games or writers or whatever it is. And you just go for that experience. And that's okay. But you have to decide if it's worth it or not for you to spend after food, flight, whatever, let's say $1,000 plus to go do those things. And I don't think it's right of people to say something's good or bad based on the price because there's different reasons people be willing to pay that. Like there's, there's people that are going to like, even me just saying like vid summit being a thousand dollars, people are like you would pay that much to go to a thing. Yes. Because to me, the value is going to be worth way more than that thousand dollars I'm spending within the next year. And it's tax deductible also. Also true. Technically all of these things are tax deductible because well, of what yeah. I do, but yes, I see your point. But I, but I think that's exactly the thing, right? That's something people think is insane. But some of those same people are going to be one of those people that pays the $700 to go to Magic 30 
And there's going to be people at VidCon that'll be like, you would pay $700 to go to a gaming thing, right? I don't care about the freebies they're giving you. That's crazy. And I, and I think that's part of the plan or the discussion that needs to be had is why is something good or bad? Because somebody's looking, you know, people looking at Magic 30 are going like, oh, this is an awful deal because of the command zone thing. I'm like, okay, maybe. But what if I give for the other stuff and I buy the cheaper ticket? We did the math and looked at it. It's actually not bad. It's only bad if you're valuing, not valuing the command zone at whatever they're charging for it, right? Which, to be fair, right now, I don't understand the value of the command zone, and I probably wouldn't pay that ticket for it if that was yeah, your main draw. Yeah, Yeah, but all the other packages that include, like, the VIP party or whatever, the, the Unfinity thing, all the freebies they give you, like, those seem totally worth it. So I'd have no problem with anybody... You know, I, me personally, I'd have no problem paying for those other ones. But if somebody wants to pay the 350 for the command zone, all right, cool. It's your money. Like, I don't get it, but I also don't understand buying like a whatever thousand dollar belt. So, you know, like people do that every day and I don't get it. This is a WWE replica belt. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but no, but seriously, you know what I'm saying? Though? People, people will buy a $500 coach bag to carry around with them to put $50 inside of it. You know, like, I, I don't understand, yeah. but people do it every day. Like, that's that's a thing for people. So a lot of it is just personal. I think we we need to, especially, again, like in a time of a recession, you know, a time of potential COVID risk, you know, other stuff like that. Like, you, we need to kind of reevaluate why we go to conventions, how we attend conventions, what we're planning on getting, taking away from them. And because I also think that makes your convention experience more positive as well. Because, I mean, you've been to big conventions before, right? You can spend so much time wandering that you get to the end of that third or fourth day and you're just like, I, I don't even think I did much of anything. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes that's great. It's like, where where'd my weekend go? But you had a good time. Yeah, but you also get home and you're just like, ah, I missed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that speaker panel. Yeah, I missed that, too. Or, oh, man, I didn't know they it's ran like, terms there's there's no conceivable way to get to all of it. There's just, well, of course you can't do it. But I, but I feel like if you at least know why you're North star for why you're going, right? Like I want to make sure I see stuff from these creators. I want to do reviews on these products. I want to play test this thing and I want to play in this championship or whatever. Right. Cool. You check all those boxes. So when you leave, you know exactly why you went there. You took care of all those things and it was worth the money. And then, as I said, you know, sometimes, you know, stories happen. Yep. That, that like is there, totally there's true. a day where I had all the, the things I planned to cover and write about laid out. It was going to be a great productive day. And I walk in and then we tell how quickly the plan changes. Hey, Brian, uh, somebody from Joe Montana's press team called. He's at the, the hotel down the street. Can you go talk to him? Yes, I can go talk to Joe Montana. Dude, hey, I, I got roped into getting RVD to show up to a WWE right? deal event. All right. Like that happens. But, you know, other stuff, too. I remember we were doing a late night scavenger hunt at Gen Con one year at, you know, like two in the morning because they had these boards set up around the building and you do all the little challenges. And that then, sounds incredibly fun. Yeah. Then you submit your thing before the end of the weekend and then they draw so many names to get free Gen Con badges the next year. Well, what was cool is during this, there's some you can't get to because they're like in the convention hall or whatever. They get locked up after hours but or the exhibit hall. But there was a group of people playing uh, Werewolf. Or Mafia, whatever, all the yeah. same game, right? 
but this is among us <laughs> yeah, whatever you choose to this call is it. years ago before i even you know knew what it was and they're like hey you want to play such and such game or whatever and there's like you know like 15 people sitting in a circle or whatever i'm like yeah whatever dude three hours later it's like four in the morning and i'm like god y'all i gotta get up at like eight i gotta be back you know so that stuff does happen you know and and it's cool to have those organic moments but like i said i think we just need to be more deliberate about our decision making and it's hard because it's very easy to let emotions take over right some people aren't even upset truly at the package cost for magic 30 they're upset that it's outside of their budget. So now they're trying, picking something to be mad at. And I get it, right? There's been many things in my life that I have wanted. And I'm like, ah, there's no way I can budget for that. There is no way I can afford that. But to just be mad at it because it's expensive, that's always tough, right? Because that's also part of the, the argument right now is people are saying like, oh, well, they've they've priced all the players out of it or whatever. Like, did they though? You can get a $60 pass. And you can totally show up with that. And that's what all the other conventions do. That's literally within the margin of what every other, hell, even conventions bigger and smaller than that do. So like how cheap should it have been? Because again, there are actual COVID restrictions. Like we can't just have infinite people coming in. If you make it a free to let's say $20 thing, how big of a haul you wouldn't, you would need, hell, I don't know. You might need the whole damn Las Vegas convention center at that point. Because every player might try to descend on it. And you realistically, it just doesn't work logistically. Let's be honest. Like if they were to get 200,000 Magic players, you wouldn't even have enough supplies or product to take care of everybody, to take care of all the events or whatever. It just wouldn't be a thing. Hell, you wouldn't have staff for all that, to be honest. Le- there, there are logistics that play a part as well. And again, it sucks. Capitalism, economy, you know, I get it. But there are some times we kind of have to say, like, there's not another really good way to do this. Or you just have a bunch of people that get left out regardless one way or the other. So so it's tough. But yeah, I, I just think we need to change the conversation around conventions a bit and start understanding, like, what's our why for really going and what's the importance to us? Because every convention has a different niche, has a different need, fills a different void. And, you know, and not all of us need to go to all conventions. And we just have to make smarter decisions, especially in a recession. But all right, Brian, why don't tell everybody where they can find you on socials? All right. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And my goodness, this is going to be a long ass episode, probably like an hour <laughs> and 40 minutes or something. So thank you for listening this far. And as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family with COVID and the monkeypox and hell, I don't know. We're probably rolling up on flu season. I don't know. Just take care of yourselves and remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 